0: Okay, we're live. Ah, it's our first podcast. Oh my gosh, jumping off the deep end, Danny. I mean, the world has been waiting for this, they
1: just don't know it yet. This is so exciting. Okay, listener, you may be wondering who are these girls? Why are we talking to you through these microphones? And why are we starting a podcast? And more importantly, what the heck is evolutionary?
0: Yeah, and we're going to answer all those questions just in case more than our parents are listening to this podcast.
1: (laughs) Maybe our cousins.
0: In case you did stumble upon this podcast and are not in fact related to us, here's a gist of what our podcast is about. Hi, I'm Allie.
1: And I'm Annie. And And you're you're listening listening to That's So Evolutionary, an
0: education podcast where we explore what teachers, psychologists, anthropologists, and the latest thought leaders are saying about what we can and must do to transform learning environments so that every child has the opportunity
1: to thrive in our world today.
0: Annie and I each have over a decade of experience in classrooms. And we are still
1: teaching and testing out ways to make schools work
0: better for children and for the adults who support them join Join us us as we evaluate the evidence dig through the debates buried bad ideas gush over good ones and build a roadmap for all teachers whether at home school or in the community to show what is possible as we evolve our system of education together. together so for the purpose of Formal introductions. My name is Alexis, but my students call me Allie. So forevermore, that is how Annie will probably refer to me on this podcast.
1: Perfect. And I'm Annie. And Allie and I are both two teachers in Denver. We're K-1 teachers and co-teachers. Allie, evolutionary was your brain baby. What? is it? And what do you hope it will be?
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Annie. It's a million-dollar question. This is the million-dollar question. And lots of smart people in my life are always telling me how I need to get this down to a concise 30-second elevator Elevator pitch. But guess what? Today, I'm not going to do that. I am going to show you what evolutionary is through a story. Because you and I both know this, stories are a really powerful way our human brains are wired to learn. And I also think it's a more interesting way of telling you what evolutionary well, is.
1: Well, and, you know, uh, storytelling goes along with the uh, the big philosophy right now all around culturally responsive teaching. And that's one of the hugest ways. I love it. We know students learn. So I can't wait. Give me a story. Okay. Send me a yarn.
0: So this is actually a true story. And it's it took place this winter shortly after My boyfriend, Jesse, and I joined a climbing gym so that we had a reason to get out of our house during the fun times of COVID. And there was this one day that the gym was totally full, so we just went to climb on one of the beginner walls. And as we approached the wall, I noticed this eight or nine-year-old girl who seemed just a little bit older than the kids that we teach, and this girl was flying up the wall, this fierce look of concentration in her eyes. And my first thought was, gosh, I would have loved doing it at that age. We had just gotten started and I was, you know, some days doing some that were like pretty impressive and some that were not so impressive. So anyway, a little more than midway up the wall, she came to a spot that seemed to stump her. And after trying a couple of different things, she looked down at her dad and just said, I can't do it anymore. And he immediately did what many supportive parents would do and said, yes, you can. You know, you're a rock star. You've got this. It was very encouraging. Um, I was bullying Jesse at this point and was just watching in fascination. Probably should have been paying more attention to his rope. <laughs> And she responded back, I can't. And he said, yes, you can. I won't let you fall. The rope will catch you. And they parried back and forth in this similar manner. And finally, after realizing her dad was not, in fact, going to let her quit, she tried again. Shakily, she found her grasp, spurred on by a continuous stream of encouragement and reinforcement that she was indeed a rock star from her dad. She finally... Reach the top, victory. I want more. (laughs) This is my this is my dramatic pause. I'm like
1: yes, Um, and also, listener, I think it's fascinating. I've never heard this before, so I'm
0: riveted. Continue. Well, (laughs) this is my favorite part of the story because normally this educational parable would end there with a moral (laughs) of self determination and positive encouragement from an external hero figure winning the day. But I'm going to give you another detail, Annie, about this conquest. The young girl looking down from the top was scared and miserable and she was staring daggers at her dad for making her do something she was clearly not comfortable doing. So my question is this. What did the girl learn from this experience? Well, I think the obvious answer
1: that many would say right now is, wow, she really harnessed that growth mindset and perseverance, you know, to meet any goal and anything is possible. All that character building, academic mindset type stuff. That's, I think, the the typical obvious choice. Give us the other perspective that we are all going to know and love you for very soon. (laughs) Because Allie always has another perspective, y'all.
0: Thank you, Annie. I feel like that's a dramatic setup. But you're right. I do have an alternative is it not more likely that she received the message that you should always meet others' expectations no matter how much they go against what your body and brain are telling you because that person either has more power than you or is someone that you don't want to disappoint or Mm -hmm. both in this case.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was resonating with the entire time you were telling the story. How many times in your own life can you think of a time where you were that little girl, right? Whether in the classroom or something with your parents. And the memory we're learning is, you know, to be the, not the memory we're learning, the, the, what we're learning is how to please others and meet others'
0: goals. Yeah, totally. In our culture, we interpret the father's actions as positive and supportive encouragement on this obstacle-laden path to success. But if we take a second and look at it from the girl's perspective, what is more likely communicated is a lack of trust in and respect for her judgment and the removal of her freedom to making a meaningful decision for herself.
1: You know what it immediately made me think of is my own daughter. Listener, I have an eight year old um, who since has been born is very cautious. You cannot make this girl do anything. And I've thought often, Oh, she's so obstinate and stubborn, but secretly have always, you know, really been proud of that. And this example has, has really reminded me of, You can't make her do anything. And so we don't try, right? And when she's ready, she does it. And she does it in her own way and has far greater success because she wasn't forced.
0: I didn't even know there was anything maybe couldn't do. (laughs) (laughs) That's news to me. Um, So let's go back to this girl on the wall, though. Let's extrapolate this experience that she had that day over many similar situations in school out of school during the course of her childhood and let's imagine this young girl now as a young woman when she sees someone being mistreated or is asked to do something she doesn't want to do by someone she cares about or perceives as socially more powerful does she trust her internal judgment that's saying no even though adults throughout her life have reinforced her to abdicate it on command.
1: Oh, that is just a terrifying thought because it's kind of lends to this culture of polite. You know, who are we doing things for? And what's the what's the translation to that in the educational world? Yeah,
0: and I think so many parents are, you know, think about their kids as teenagers and like the influence that peers have in both positive and negative ways. Or we have, you know, our kids, our kindergartners and first graders that we're hoping we are helping become the advocates to change the world tomorrow. If we're constantly telling them, no, pay attention to what we tell you to pay attention to. How will they be that one day? Yeah. So, Annie, I still have more of the story. Oh, good. I can't wait. Yeah. And, and listeners, you'll be able to infer which lesson she took when I tell you the rest of this story. Unfortunately, our girl did not go on to conquer more mountains, high on renewed confidence in her abilities to thwart failure. Instead, she awkwardly sort of fell, climbed her way down the wall Mm -hmm. instead of rappelling in a dramatic rock star way like I'm sure her father was hoping she would. And for the next 30 minutes... As Jesse and I made our way around the wall, we watched as a battle of wills between father and daughter ensued as he tried to coax her up other routes and she refused to go on past a certain point. I just like, I can't tell you enough. I've never thought of it in this perspective
1: before because I'm instantly thinking about the time my dad taught me to ride a bike, right? He pushed and pushed and pushed. I crashed the bike, broke my bike, broke my knee. Terrible. I learned to ride the bike, but my memory is now how much I hated him for pushing me when I wasn't ready. Yeah. You just blew my mind a little bit. Please continue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's, cause I think, we deep down worry if we don't push our kids to go for the mountaintop if we don't do this will they ever make it and so I want you to to think about this would that girl that I saw at the beginning with fierce concentration in her eyes I mean blazing with passion have ever made it to the top of the wall and yeah, if I think, she wanted to and I think and I think this like it becomes silly when you Put it in that perspective because absolutely, yes. A thousand percent. But if a,
1: she wanted to do on yeah. her own terms.
0: And and in climbing, you know, the timeline is often determined by how confident you are in your foot positioning and the strength of your grasp and whether you've come to trust the rope.
1: And God forbid the weather.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't a, this isn't a climbing <laughs> right. gym, so it's a little bit more climate controlled. <laughs> but I do think, Annie, that she ha- would have made it to the top and then she would have tried the taller routes and she would have continued to do harder things because that's what I did when I didn't have but not if somebody's
1: trying to control her yeah
0: and we humans are wired to want to learn and master and get better but now we're dealing in this story with a totally different girl who is frustrated probably slightly humiliated Will she return to the climbing gym ever again? And if she does, will it be for her own interest or will it be to appease her father? Guess what? It's been months and I have yet to see this girl and her father At the climbing gym.
1: Yeah, because the experience was ruined. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point then of what we're trying to do with Evolutionary, and comes back to the way humans are designed and the science of learning and what we know about students and people that is often squashed by the educational system intentionally or otherwise.
0: I think there is just so much to explore here, but I want to go back to the moral
1: Mm -hmm. and what that means for Evolutionary. Yeah
0: a few people might still be saying you know wait a minute but she reached the goal and i think those people are probably have already tuned out <laughs> tuned out from this <laughs> podcast because i think most of us at this point will feel empathy for the devastating robbery of the intrinsic motivation for climbing and the potential for real satisfying future achievement that was taken from that girl that day when her dad unwittingly, you know, it wasn't his intention, sure. substituted his will and his goals for hers.
1: Because that goal was not to reach that mountain. The goal is to become a climber and in and, and whatever that looks like. And for her, that entire opportunity was then robbed. Yeah, she met that day's goal, but not a life goal. Yeah. Perhaps.
0: And maybe the goal is to reach the top. I love reaching the top as a climber. But that's but, your goal. But what makes us think There has to be Some arbitrary Top Deadline Or top yeah. Deadline Really yeah. On what the top is Yeah Or when you should get there Yeah So Annie I feel like you and I Could unpack this story For And days. it's Ramifications for days And I I think there's A lot connected with things we will talk about in future episodes but the point that I'd like to summarize now is that everything we do has consequences both visible and invisible short-term and long-term positive and or negative intent is not the same as impact and we drive far too hard as parents and educators in a given direction to not be examining the impact we are having and you've spent a lot of time
1: researching just this over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I I have been really fortunate because I think as a parent and as an educator, when you are in in it completely it is really hard to pause and see the forest for the trees and so over the last two years just to give a little bit of background i've had some time out of the classroom i've had some funding to research these very things and it is clear to me that many of the beliefs and practices that are cornerstones of our education system are contributing to many of the problems we see in our education system and it's it's quite fascinating and i I think this story is intended to illustrate how something we take for granted as how things are done causes consequences that we don't necessarily intend.
1: And listener, Allie is really great at analogies and one she talks about often is the bandaid, right? Or the air freshener to mask the stink or the problems. And so I think that comes back to, again, the point of evolutionary and this tale is, bring it home for us, Allie.
0: Yeah, is we can't just add positive things onto the status quo. We must fundamentally examine and transform parts of it that we take for granted as how the world works. And so Annie, thanks for segueing for me. (laughs) That brings me to what exactly is evolutionary. This is the part where I'm gonna try to get concise for all the people who are telling me I need to. Um, Evolutionary is about evolution, of our education system to align to the 21st century world we live in, obviously, duh. But (laughs) it's more about revolution, toppling this conventional wisdom and traditional structures that undermine these very things that we are working so hard to achieve. It's about asking hard questions, Piecing together the answers from looking at a lot of different things and then building a new roadmap for educators based on the best possible evidence for what leads to human learning and thriving and freedom, I would say. So,
1: listener, if you're interested in changing that status quo or just wondering what the heck that looks like in your role And I think this is for you.
0: Or if you're someone who works with kids and you're like, why is it this hard? Yeah, it shouldn't be this hard. It should be fun. Yeah. Life is fun. Education is life. Yeah. It's not preparation for future life. And so evolutionary is all about understanding what are those things that we need to transform so that We can all live and thrive.
1: Well, and Ali has said it beautifully quite a few times um, in our conversations, but, you know, this isn't just to inspire people, you know, like it's to ask those hard questions is to use critical inquiry to think about what systems need to be changed and not just band-aided, but what we can actually do to meet the needs of all of us in this 21st century. You know, listener, you might be wondering who we are and why are we even voices adding to this conversation? And so let's just spend a minute of, you know, giving a little gist of what our backgrounds are and just who we are. So you care to keep listening?
0: Yeah. So Annie and I actually just met each other in the last year. Annie is a phenomenal K-1 literacy coach and educator. And in Denver Public Schools, there's this awesome model where incredible teachers have relationships. least time to go help other teachers be incredible teachers and so there was time in her classroom and I waltzed in and said hey I want to teach math and she was like (laughs) cool And then we discovered that we were educational soulmates. That's right. Forever. Yeah. So Annie and I uh, think very similarly. We're both big picture, love to learn, tons of ideas kind of people. But we've had very different journeys through education. And so I think it'd be fun to just kind of give you a little bit about that because it's it colors our commentary and our experiences in such unique ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll keep it really simple. But basically, I went to school for psychology thinking I was going to be a radio psychologist and quickly past change. I didn't have this big call to teaching like many people do. Of course, I you know taught my stuffed animals when I was in kindergarten like everybody did, but kind of just fell into my lap. And I ended up in this program um, through the Stanley British primary program here in Denver that was innovative before I knew what innovative was. And so I was exposed to incredible thinking and teachers all in the Denver-Boulder area that were leveraging play and nature and child curiosity um, versus, you know, designed curriculum and and rote paths where students were allowed to create their own learning and teachers followed the curiosity of the kid. So that's where I started and then ended up in Aurora Public Schools with a principal who honored and valued those philosophies sought me out from that program. And we worked together to see how that looked in the public sector in a school that was Title I, very high free and reduced lunch population. From there, we went to uh, expeditionary learning model, which has now followed the majority of my career. And when I left Aurora and came to Denver, I followed that same principle. So my experience has been what most would say innovative and not the norm, but have been fostered to support creativity and what is possible and what is right by kids. And that's all I've really ever
0: known. Yeah. And Annie is an incredible educator. It's just magic to be in the same space as her. Hey, thanks, pal. And uh, I feel the same about you. Great. And Annie might not call this out about herself, but she won a National Expeditionary Learning Award. Uh, I Teacher don't, of the Year. Teacher of the <laughs> Year.
1: Um, It was 2018 though, so I've got to up my game. uh, That was a while ago.
0: Yeah, well, that's why we're starting a podcast.
1: And your experience was very different than mine. Oh my
0: gosh, my experience was so different from Annie's. Although like Annie, I went to college and was not drawn towards the education path. I was actually, I've always been interested in human behavior. So I started off thinking I too would be a psychology major, but everyone was a psychology major. So I switched to being a political science major. And then I realized that it was all about reading books about history and stuff that I would do without paying someone else to tell me to do it. So I switched that again, (laughs) and I became a PR major. So I could graduate with a with some skills. But I eventually found my way to teaching because I didn't like any of the things I was doing in the corporate world. And the way to get into teaching was through Teach for America, which is totally different than what Annie did. Yep. You know, it's, uh, we have a short training, um, it's a two year program, but it, It was incredible for me. I had a wonderful, wonderful experience um, and ended up moving to Denver after my two years of teaching third grade in Chicago and um, went from teaching third grade to teaching sixth grade and then was at a school that I will forever refer to as the school that shall not be named because it was horrendous. (laughs) Yeah, you might hear about it one day Um, and then found an expeditionary learning school that was just opening and went from teaching sixth grade to teaching first to looping up with my kids to second teaching fourth because they needed a fourth grade teacher, then becoming a math specialist for the school and teaching second through fifth grade. And so... Oh boy, it's exhausting. So, yes. And so my <laughs> experience was totally different in that I have had very little consistency over my decade-long career. And but have, dabbled in all the grades. Yeah. And I think what I lack in... Deep experience in one thing. I I have this broad perspective on what happens to a child as they go through our education system. And that has informed a lot of why I got into this evolutionary thing in the in the first place. Yeah. All right. Well, listener, our big
1: outcome for this first podcast is really just to get you excited about what evolutionary is and who we are and why we're doing this. We acknowledge that we are very, very new, just little newbies to this podcast world. And so this is going to evolve and change. And hopefully you're along for the ride.
0: One of my biggest hopes for Evolutionary, and I think it's such a cool name that maybe it will live up to this potential, Annie, <laughs> is that I want this to be a movement. I mean, Annie and I have our area that we are experts in, but it, evolving our whole system of how we develop human beings is going to take. A broad coalition of people joining together to do that.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to the roadmap we hope to create to help educators with tangible ways to turn all of these ideas into action steps.
0: Exactly. Okay, Annie. So now how do we wrap this thing up?
1: (laughs) Good question. And this has been Allie and Annie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is Allie.
1: And this is Annie.
0: And you've been listening to That's So Evolutionary. You say that so well.
1: Thanks, pal. Now we just need some catchy music or something to play us off because, listener, we'll just keep talking forever.
0: Join us next week and every week for another episode of That's So
1: Evolutionary.